Hello, I'm Nat Moss, and this is the WCS Wild Audio Podcast, where you'll find reported audio stories covering the latest news and newsmakers from the Wildlife Conservation Society's field sites, zoos, and aquarium, and their conservation partners. We've got a great show today, so let's get to it. Subsistence fishing has long been a staple of Malagasy culture. The rich biodiversity that makes Madagascar so famous also underpins local economies, providing not only food but income through for-profit fishing and tourism. However, a host of threats are not only putting pressure on ecosystems, but the very communities who are so intrinsically tied to them. Ravika Ranevosan, Marine Conservation Director for WCS Madagascar, believes the solution lies in supporting natural capital, training communities to identify and manage natural resources for healthy, sustainable economies. WCS Wild Audio's Hannah Kaplan spoke with Ravika about the challenges and opportunities working to protect the country's rich ecosystem. Growing up in Antananarivo, Ravika Renevasan was fascinated by wildlife documentaries and cultivated a deep love for the natural world. After graduating from university with a degree in economics, Ravika went to work for a community-based foundation where she saw firsthand how natural capital underpinned the livelihoods of Malagasy communities. Understanding how communities interact with natural resources on their daily life and linking this with how it will be valued in terms of management measures and how the best to support them in partnership with scientists. And then we move forward to more on the conservation finance aspect and see how the best could be established a kind of sustainable financial mechanism to support natural resource-based management. Ravika brings her understanding of the interplay between sustainability and economics to her work. Overseeing a team managing three seascapes across the country, Ravika's role is an extensive one. From coordinating research and field activities, to fundraising and identifying key partners and government support. She explains that Madagascar's status as a biodiversity hotspot is what fuels subsistence and for-profit economies here, not to mention a thriving tourism industry that helps supplement incomes sea turtles, shark and rays, fishes and octopus and uh, fisheries products. Madagascar has 23 regions and 15 among which are coastal. Uh, Most of them are in remote zones. So local communities in these remote areas rely mainly on fisheries. One million persons relying on fisheries for their subsistence. The western part of Madagascar is really rich in terms of corals. We have corridors of reefs in the northwest that are part of the North Channel Mozambique also. We have also mangroves and seagrass beds. But there are a wide range of threats to Madagascar's fragile ecosystem and as a result, local economies. Among those pressures, terrestrial runoff, which damages coral reefs and seagrass beds, climate change, illegal mangrove cutting, demographic pressures, and internal migration. Illegal hunting and fishing poses yet another threat. For example, sea turtle hunting is traditionally taboo, but a burgeoning international trade is influencing poaching. In the, in the northwest of Madagascar, uh, sea turtles are part of a taboo. However, we have this high demand. Some of the products are more exported. People start eating also. In some places, there are part of the products sold on local market illegally. These are uh, threatened species. The WCS team's challenges might sound overwhelming, 
But Ravika says that one of the most encouraging elements of her decades-long work here is the increasing buy-in from local communities. This is in large part thanks to the advocacy work of Ravika and her team, communicating the long-term benefits for communities if they protect their natural resources. Transforming science into information that are accessible to local communities. The rate of literacy is a little bit low. We, we work more on um, photos and illustrations, translating this in something really pragmatic on short term, but also on the long term. If we have less of these fish, if we, if we catch more of this, there will be a damage in here in the future. We don't have food for our for the future generation, for our children, for our grandchildren. So it's part of the, the awareness raising. We make the link between the ecological surveys and the catch also to identify what are the suitable measures to set up. So it's a step-by-step phase. They were really proud and motivated to, to see that the data that they collect through the catch surveys has been analyzed and we present to them. These are the results. These are the good practices. They saw also the improvement in terms of size of the fish. So they say the management measure works and we, we are willing to preserve more of the area. Ravika says that one very real result of this messaging is an increasing willingness of communities to invest some of their income into sustainable marine conservation activities as a means of future guarding their incomes. They allocate part of the fund to the management of the area so as to support the patrol activities. Last year, they allocate a percentage of fund there, and we are dealing with them on the management of this, allocating this for the fuel to support fuel for the for the patrols, but also batteries for the smartphone, for the patrols, or for the catch surveys. What's more, communities volunteer their time to patrol protected areas, co-manage marine resources and conduct scientific surveys. We work with with, uh, local committees on participative monitoring, including seagrass monitoring and also mangroves and sea turtle assessment of nesting sites. WCS supports this work by providing training and monitoring equipment and organizing regular exchange of best practice between communities, focusing especially on women and youth groups. We had the, the training on species identification for sea turtle. We equipped them also with uh, the suitable equipment to run the survey. We trained them also on uh, seagrass watch protocols, how to set up the survey, how to identify the seagrass, what do you measure, key indicators to follow, and how to run this monitoring also. In addition to the community engagement, government support is critical to this success. As an economist... Ravka works to communicate the value of private sector partnerships, concepts of ecosystem services, and value chains as part of a truly viable conservation model. We work closely with the ministry. It's a kind of management delegation from the ministry to us. So in terms of law enforcement, they, they support us. Technical support also when we, when we talk about like fisheries, aquaculture, or in terms of fisheries, what are the alternatives that we can promote? For the MPAs, we have a steering committee where we have a representative from the Ministry of Fisheries and a representative from the Ministry of Environment also. So we have this guidance on the policy and the regulations related to fisheries. Ravika and her team's work here shows that conservation and economic stability don't need to be at opposing ends of the spectrum. Central to this is long-term advocacy to communicate that the health of our planet is intrinsically linked to the health and prosperity of all communities. The quality of reef is Table. The statues are good. 
which um, highlights the efficiency of uh, management measures that have been set up. Coverage of uh, seagrass also are improving in the mangroves initiatives of uh, restore, mangrove restoration with local communities uh, is on a good path. So the community says the, the sea is their capital. For WCS Wild Audio, I'm Hannah Kaplan. Today's episode was produced and reported by Hannah Kaplan with help from Dan Rosen and Nat Moss. The WCS Wild Audio Podcast is a production of the Wildlife Conservation Society. Please join us next week for a new episode, and don't forget to rate or review the show wherever you get your podcasts. 